TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Contacted Monica Burke. She's a research assistant at the DeVos Center for Religious and Civil Society at the Heritage Foundation. And she's on the line with us right now. Monica, thanks for calling. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me, Frank. I'm, I'm happy to. Now, can, can you tell me, just give us the summary of what the heck this article is because it's scary. <laughs> Absolutely. So let me give you a little bit of the background on what's going on in Pennsylvania, and then I'll share with your listeners a little bit about Tim Gill, the LGBT mega donor that the article title you talked about referenced. So last year in 2017, our state Senate introduced Senate Bill 613, and that's an act that would amend the Pennsylvania Human Relations Act to include sexual orientation and gender identity as protected classes in anti-discrimination statutes. Now, what what do these kind of bills do? Well, what they've been used to do across the country is basically to hold people with certain religious or moral views about human sexuality accountable for those views, to impose sexual orthodoxy on average citizens. And this is exactly the strategy of one of the biggest supporters of this kind of legislative push, Tim Gill, who was dubbed the mega donor behind the LGBT rights movement by Rolling Stone. And when that magazine profiled Gill back in in June of last year, he disclosed that his strategy is to use his $500 million fortune to agitate for state non-discrimination laws that will pit LGBT activists against religious Americans. And he was quoted as saying, that they're going to go into the hardest states in the country and, quote, we're going to punish the wicked, unquote. And so basically there's a paper trail tracing Gill back to Pennsylvania and supporting the House counterpart to this current Senate law. And if this law were to come to pass, uh, it could potentially have a huge chilling effect on society in Pennsylvania. Now, let me let me see if I understand this. I'm looking at, I'm looking at uh, some information from Harrisburg on, on exactly what our religious freedom law is. It says, if a person's religious exercise is, quote, substantially burdened, the government must excuse the person from complying with the law unless the government can show it has a compelling interest and there is not a less restrictive alternative. Now, are, are you saying that this, this bill, which basically says, no discrimination against LGBT has has a tentacle in it that says that people could be fined, punished, charged if they, let's say, refuse to bake a cake for a same-sex couple? Exactly. So this bill is not the first of its kind. Similar bills have been introduced at the state level already in other states across the U.S., as well as on the local and city level. I'll note that 43 local ordinances of this kind exist in Pennsylvania that could potentially be used in this way. And basically what LGBT activists are trying to do is to reframe this entire debate and treat what is simply acting on one's religious beliefs, their moral beliefs, as a right to discriminate, quote unquote. And so by treating this kind of living in accordance with your religious beliefs as though it were something akin to, say, discrimination in the Jim Crow South, by capitalizing on that analogy, the state is 
is arguing that there is a compelling interest, say, to force a baker to force a cake for a same-sex wedding ceremony or to put a bridal store out of business. Um, and and as I said, this is already happening. Yeah, tell us about this. Bloom, you, you mentioned a Bloomsburg case. Can you talk about that? Yes. So I'll go ahead and note the two most recent and I would say noteworthy cases in Pennsylvania. So the first happens on on the local level, which is WW Bridal in Bloomsburg. The owners are Christians. Um, they only wanted to provide wedding gowns for biblical marriages, and the Christian owners of the business had to close down their business in March. Because the city was simply likely to pass one of these anti-discrimination ordinances. The city had considered an ordinance in 2014, but it didn't end up passing. But what happened in the aftermath of that original initiative is that activists began to attack the store's reputation online, leaving fake Yelp reviews saying that they'd given terrible service. And people were even making threats to burn their business down or shoot the owners in the head. So they left these these owners with no choice but to close down their bridal shop over their religious views. And then this is happening on an even bigger scale in the city of Philadelphia. So the city there just halted the placements of two Christian foster care agencies, Catholic Social Services and Bethany Christian Services, because they have religious views about the nature of the family, that they have always placed children in homes with a mom and a dad. And now those agencies are being put under investigation for discrimination under the city's local anti-discrimination ordinance. So that's how these laws are used to target people for, the, for their beliefs. You know, it, what's strange to me is I, I looked at, uh, at the Senate bill that you quote, and, and there is a big list of co-sponsors. And I'm thinking to my, I mean, you know, a lot of people that we know that have, you know, strong family values, strong conservative values. I'm thinking, do they really understand this bill or is it just kind of sneaking in? That is one of the concerns here. I, I would venture to say that most, most people, fortunately, we live in a fairly tolerant society already. Most people will willingly and enthusiastically acknowledge that every human being has dignity, ought to be treated with dignity, and that is the, the same is true for LGBT individuals. And so when you see this kind of legislation, it's easy to think that this is simply taking an additional measure to ensure that those individuals are treated with respect. But as Tim Gill's remarks reveal, the, the push behind this kind of legislation is, is ultimately nefarious and is being used to target people for their beliefs. And so that's why we have to be wary of this kind of legislation. Pennsylvanians should take it upon themselves to contact their local legislators and talk to them about the implications of this legislation um, because it could potentially reinforce on the state level a disturbing trend that's already unfolding on the local level. Monica, I, I, I had, there's part of me that's, that's conflicted here because I, I, I'm not in favor of discrimination uh, in any form. I mean, I, don't, I just don't think that people should be discriminated against. But at the same time, uh, you know, I understand people with strong religious convictions and Pennsylvania's law, one of the one of the strong parts of it was protecting the beliefs of the Amish and the Mennonites. I mean, this 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 has got a bunch of problems with it. Absolutely. And I'll point out that states that already have these kind of laws on the books can and should interpret them in a nuanced way that respects different moral and religious beliefs about sexuality. They could potentially be interpreted in this narrower way. Now, I could go on at length about some of the other problems sort of baked into these kind of anti-discrimination laws. One of the major problems is that 
treating sexual orientation and gender identity as protected classes is problematic in itself because unlike race or biological sex, these categories are subjective, non-verifiable, and also subject to change, which makes them much more difficult to use in a legal setting and often can produce poor legal outcomes. So we have to take a hard, sober look at whether or not these laws actually achieve what they claim to set out to do. Now, now this, this mega donor, $500 million, is that all lobbying money? Um, I don't really have a breakdown of how Gill has spent every single dollar. I do know that in 2015, a Gill front group, Pennsylvania for Economic Competitiveness, collectively donated $15,000 to the Reform PA PAC when the Fairness Act, which was the House counterpart to this current Senate bill, first made its debut. And another Gill front group, Pennsylvania Competes, joined forces with Human Rights Campaign to fight for this legislation as well. And for the benefit of your listeners, Human Rights Campaign is probably one of the biggest and most aggressive pro-LGBT activist groups out there. And so Pennsylvania is definitely next on his hit list. All right. Now, Monica, you have lots of articles on lots of different subjects. If people want to want to find out more of what you're saying, how do they contact you? Absolutely. So they can find us at our website, heritage.org. And if you look at the drop-down menu, we have entire pages dedicated to this kind of research. But you can also find me on Twitter, where my handle is at Monica G. Burke. All right. Monica, thank you very much. Have a good afternoon. Thank you again for having me. My pleasure. And Monica is from Columbia, uh, uh, Montour County. Montour County. I found that in my conversations. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.